This is Focal Point for Monday the 11th of May 2009. We're talking about the National Broadband Network. Welcome to Focal Point, the podcast that shows you how to tap into the power of the internet in your business and your life. Now it's over to your hosts, Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira for this week's edition. Hello Chris, how are you? Well thanks Gihan, how are you? I'm happy, I'm happy. So it sounds like we're going to be having a much faster network for recording our Focal Point podcast over Skype, coming up soon. Uh, well, soon depends on how you define soon, Gihan. If you're prepared to wait eight years, uh, then then you'll get it. So eight years is the soonest, is it? Eight years is, uh, well, we should probably tell people what we're talking about, is, <laughs> is the plan that the Australian government have announced to implement a national broadband network. Um, and that's going to be implemented if they hold, if we hold them to their promise, that's going to be implemented over the next eight years. So we can either wait eight years or we can move to Tasmania. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Which is going to be the first spot that's, uh, that's going to be rolling out this national broadband network. So yeah, so let's, let's talk about this, Chris, because it's, it's had a lot of news and, uh, I don't fully understand it, but I don't think anyone really does. It's been something that's announced as a $43 billion project and it's a, it's a, it's a lot of government money, uh, but there are a lot of people who are unsure what this means, uh, unsure whether it's just political grandstanding or whether it's something realistic. And, uh, so we just thought we'd shed a bit of light on that in, in this week's podcast. Yeah, good idea. So some of the detail that we do have so far is that the government is planning to roll out an optical fibre network um, referred to as fibre to the home. So each premises will have access to an optical fibre network or 90% coverage of uh, residences in Australia and then the remaining 10% of residences will have access to high-speed wireless broadband. So that's the plan, and the government have announced that uh, it'll cost them $43 billion and that it'll take eight years to implement. And they're going to start with uh, with Tasmania, as you mentioned. Always seems to be uh, the first place that these sorts of things get focused on, as well as some of the places, some of the regional um, regional black, black spots, so areas where there is pretty poor broadband coverage already, although some people would argue that's the entire country, um, are also going to be uh, focused on for the first phase of implementing the, the national broadband network. Yes, I guess in simple terms, what we're talking about is that at the moment we have uh, universal coverage with for telephones and we have a network that mostly goes underground, sometimes overground, and it connects all of Australia through um, through what's called the the copper or coaxial network and we're talking about replacing that broadly it means that we're just going to get faster internet access. Yeah that's right so um, at the moment as you mentioned we have this copper telephony network and that's what uh, the ADSL broadband is implemented on and if you're lucky enough to have an ADSL 2 plus plus plan then theoretically you should be able to get something like a, a 24 megabits per second um, connection speed. That's the, the theoretical maximum. But um, various surveys of um, Australian broadband speeds suggest that the average or the median is around about the three or four megabits per second. And indeed, when I went and conducted one of these online speed tests, that's the kind of um, 
the kind of speed I was getting, about three or four megabits. So that's pretty uh, pretty poor by world standards. The various the various websites that have rankings of um, global um, broadband speeds, and Australia doesn't even make it into the top top 30 or 40, depending upon how you measure the median, the average, or whether it's upload or download. So we're really a pretty much a second-rate country when it comes to the kind of broadband speeds that Australians can get. Um, countries like North Korea, North Korea, no, not North Korea, like uh, South Korea and some of the Asian countries and some of the uh, countries like Estonia, some of the Scandinavian countries have blisteringly fast um, broadband. Um, but uh, we're a bit of a backwater at the moment. That's sad, isn't it? The thing that Australia, which is quite an advanced country, is definitely a developed nation, still has, um, by world standards, relatively slow internet access. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a shame and it's something that, uh, the governments are finally waking up to. Uh, both governments promised, both parties at the last Australian general election promised to implement some kind of first world broadband network. Um, so the national broadband network was, uh, the, uh, the Australian Labour Party's promise and so they're starting to do something about, um, implementing according to their promise. Yeah, but one of the things that's changed since the time of the election is that at the time, everyone was thinking that this national broadband network would be something that a company like Telstra, um, which is Australia's biggest uh, ISP and telecommunications provider, some, somebody like Telstra would be providing or other people would be providing. And in fact, the government uh, asked for, put out to tender this idea of building this national broadband network. And then suddenly, um, just over a month ago, they said, nope, we're going to reject all the bids and we're going to build it ourselves. That's right. They, they uh, requested people tender and Telstra and IINet put in a bid as well, did, as, as, well as uh, various other telecoms companies. But in the end, the government decided to go it alone. Um, in fact, Telstra and IINet withdrew their bid because they, the government wouldn't guarantee them that, uh, that once it was implemented, they wouldn't be forced to dive, to break up the, the, the telecommunications company to separate, say, the retail arms and the network network arms. Um, and I think some of the commentary I've read has suggested that that was that was a good thing that we already have this um, monolithic company Telstra who tend to monopolise and dominate telecoms in Australia and may well be part of the problem. Um, so avoiding an even bigger monopoly was probably a wise decision on the on the government's part. Yes, yeah, so one of the things that I wasn't sure about when this was first announced, Chris, was what this actually means. So we've talked about the idea that they're going to be laying cables and they're going to be laying cables to our houses, but it doesn't necessarily mean that only one company is going to be providing internet access. All we're, all we're talking about is actually laying the physical cables, which then mean that internet service providers can then provide their services using that cable, just like uh, different telephone companies can provide telephone services to their home. Yeah, that's right. So at the moment with the copper network, that's um, largely owned by Telstra, who are now a private company, started off being a public, uh, a, gov uh, a state or government company. Um, so with this new national broadband network, the government are going to, to implement it. But they say that within five years of it actually being completed, it will be sold off. So, again, I don't really know what that means. Eight plus five years down the track, uh, are we going to have another Telstra owning a large portion of this, um, this fibre to the home network? I'm really not sure. 
Yeah, and that's something that we'll, we'll have to wait and see, as, as mm. is probably going to be the case with almost everything as far as this project's concerned. One of the interesting things with the technology is that one of the big upgrades is going to be this idea of fibre to the home or fibre to the premises, which is going to really make a significant difference to internet access for ordinary people, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. So essentially we'll get much faster broadband speed. So as I said, the, the average for Australians is about three or four megabits, whereas an optical fibre network should be able to deliver network speeds of 100 megabits. So that's a 30, 30 times increase in speed. Yeah, because the problem we have at the moment is that it doesn't matter how fast you make the general infrastructure in the country, uh, throughout the country, the, the big problem is that the, the very last few metres, or the last few hundred metres, where the signal gets from the um, from your local exchange to your house, that's the bit that's a bottleneck that slows it down, isn't it? That's exactly right. So um, at the moment, I get three or four megabits according to the speed tests I've done. Um, and that's as a consequence of uh, my residence being several kilometres from the Cottesloe Telephone Exchange. Previously, when before we moved to Mosman Park, previously we were much closer to the exchange, and so I got uh, much better broadband speeds. So really, it is a function of your that, that last mile, that last mile between you, or last kilometre, as we say in Australia, uh, between you and the exchange, that copper network that's between your house and the telephone exchange. So this should... Um, remove that bottleneck and uh, give you high-speed broadband straight to your premises. And you can understand that's why it's going to cost $43 billion and eight, take eight years because we are talking about rewiring or adding additional wiring to every residence in Australia, pretty much. Yeah, that's right. So let's <laughs> I can't wait for it to happen. Yeah, exactly. And this seems like a very positive thing. It seems like a very positive move. Um, and yet there has been some criticism of it, hasn't there? That's right. So um, some of the criticism has been that it, it may well be just political grandstanding, that it's um, a, a move by the government to... Um, to, be, to, to do uh, a bit of nation building, to have this this great big uh, network uh, that can stand as a monument to their to their government, um, and that might be the case. That maybe it is. But if they do implement it, then um, that's fair enough. That, that they deserve the credit uh, associated with having implemented the national broadband network. Yes, I, I agree with that. I, I remember you and I are both fans of the Hollow Men, the TV series, and there was one. Uh, episode where they had a budget and they had a surplus and they had to spend a lot of money and so they spent the whole episode deciding how to spend the money not on not on worthy projects but on things that would make the Australian people gasp and go wow that's a lot of money that's a lot of good and they came out and they realized that by spreading it out over a number of years they could make the number bigger so I'm sure there'll be some people who are cynical about this and say that, well, $43 billion is a lot of money and they can, they can make that sort of statement um, and get a lot of polit political mileage out of it, which they will if they can make it work. Um, but I guess even the announcement itself does sound like a pretty big and far-reaching far and uh, shows a lot of foresight on the part of this government. Mm, yes. So I think we both agree that this is a good thing. This is... In, in general terms, in broad terms, it's a good thing. Of course, the devil's in the details, and we'll see how it's going to be implemented and who's going to take part and what sort of deals are going to be struck and ultimately how much it's going to cost us. That, that's right. And one of the, as you say, the devil is in the detail. And one of the things that I've, one of the commentary, part of the commentary that I've read 
is that this internet censorship legislation that uh, we've mentioned in previous podcasts, it might be bundled in the legislation needed to implement the National Broadband Network. That's a little bit scary. Um, I hope that I hope that uh, that doesn't happen, and maybe that's just people rumour mongering. Um, but that might it might be used as a backdoor for getting the internet censorship legislation passed as well. Yes, and that would be a problem because we don't want to see those things bundled because there's no reason they should be. If if that is done, then there's def- definitely just a political move rather than for technical or for the good of the nation. Absolutely. Now, something something that I've, I've been asked a couple of times when discussing this with uh, other people is, wouldn't it be better, rather than building an optical fibre network, to instead use a wireless network? Why don't we, we... We already have wireless broadband provided in Australia, so why don't we sort of... Why don't we leapfrog something old-fashioned like wired networks and go straight to next-generation wireless broadband? So that's a good question, and the, the, the difference is that the speeds that you can get with old-fashioned optical fibre, I mean, it's a technology that has been around a long time, um, is still significantly greater than you can get out of the best of wireless at this stage. And I think also it's somewhat cheaper to go with um, just pulling cables through existing conduits than building a large broadband wireless network. Right, because I, at the moment I use wireless as my only form of internet access and I find it very good. But as you say, I probably get three to four megabits maximum and generally not even that. So you're right, it's a good question, but I think it's definitely at this stage the cable and wired networks are still the better way to go. Yeah, absolutely. And we could, the argument is that we, we could wait for next generation wireless to give us 100 megabits per second, but by then, of course, there might be advances in uh, physical networks, wired networks, uh, that will provide greater speed then. So at some point, you've got to jump onto the best technology available and start implementing that. You can't keep delaying and waiting for something better to come along. Yes, and you know this is this is one of those topics that we we don't have any um, answers for right now as to wh- which way is the best way to go. We don't necessarily have any actions that you can take away and do at this stage because it's very much just in the very early stages of it being announced, and we'll have to wait and see what what comes out of it. But what are some of the things that perhaps we can look forward to, Chris, if this is implemented and implemented in a timely way, and it delivers the sort of the speeds and the convenience that it promises. Well, some of the things that we've spoken about in previous podcasts, Gihan, are the sorts of things that something like a 100 megabits broadband service can provide. So recently we spoke about cloud computing, and that's the process whereby software that you run, instead of running it on your PC, it's run on a server somewhere on the network, and then you use a browser or some other bit of uh, some other client on your desktop to communicate with that server, and all the processing is done somewhere out in the cloud, as it's referred to, somewhere out on the internet, and then the results are just sent along uh, a high-speed broadband connection to your PC and, and displayed there. So that's one of that's a very disruptive technology, but it relies on, as we mentioned in that podcast, it relies on broadband being as reliable and as fast and um, as as efficient as turning on a light switch and expecting the electricity 
to flow straight away or turning on a tap and expecting the water to flow. So broadband has to be reliable and high speed for things like cloud computing to really take off. Yes, I think you're right, Chris. I think that's one of the biggest advantages of this national broadband network scheme, if it works out, is that we get to the point where we just simply assume that we have internet access available just as easily, as, as you say, as we have water and electricity. And once we do that, it'll just change our way of thinking about not just cloud computing, but everything to do with the internet and uh, mobile computing, everything will change once we get to that point. Yeah, that's right. The infrastructure has to be in place for these things to start happening. Um, something we were talking about before we started recording was internet television. So a friend of yours uh, has um, has high-speed access and is able to uh, download and view TV via the internet. Um, so that's another thing. When you're transmitting video signals, then that takes a lot of bandwidth. So we're all used to looking at YouTube, but the the uh, the video that's streamed to us from YouTube is relatively low resolution, um, but with broad high speed broadband, then we can start actually uh, viewing internet television. And the flip side of that, of course, is that it creates business opportunities for people who want to start um, building businesses on the back of streaming internet streaming television over the internet. Um, that becomes a real possibility. It also facilitates things like uh, video conferencing, Chris, and video conferencing in a, in a real meaningful way so that it's not just looking at talking heads, but you can actually look at You can seem to be in the same room as somebody, which will, which will have a, a lot of advantages. It means that you don't have to be in the same place. It will cut down on travel costs. It will help the environment because of less international air travel. And so some of those things can also come out of having this sort of fast internet access, uh, ubiquitous, so having it everywhere and being available to everybody. That's right. People can look forward to a focal point vodcast. Yes, I'm not sure about looking forward. <laughs> there, there could be a focal point vodcast. Yes, okay, fair enough. Does that mean that we have to start wearing clothes? <laughs> That's entirely up to you, Gihan. <laughs> That's right. There's certain things that you can do in the privacy of your own room and I can do in the privacy of my own home. Well, I guess we've talked about some of the things that are – some of the benefits that are going to come as a result of this. Uh, is there anything that we can do or is it just a matter of wait and see? Watch this space. Yeah, I think it is a matter – it is watch this space. It's about um, hoping that the government isn't just – doing political grandstanding and that, um, it, that the opposition don't block it for, for again, for, for political reasons. Um, so we really have to support governments that uh, make moves to implement the National Broadband Network so that we can hold them to their promise so that all the benefits that come along with high-speed broadband uh, can be realised. That's right, and we've uh, we've on this podcast we have criticised governments before. Actually, both both sides of government because they've both been in uh, in service or in power since we've been running this podcast. But this is one case where we're both very positive and certainly behind this this government initiative because it does seem very positive for the Australian people. So watch this space. Absolutely. So thanks very much, Chris. We'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with something new. Speak to you then, Gihan. Okay. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Focal Point Podcast. You can find us on the web at www.gihanperera.com forward slash podcast. That's G-I-H-A-N-P-E-R-E-R-A dot com. Subscribe to the podcast, listen to all our past issues, or leave us your comments and questions. We look forward to having you back next time.